0: Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Julie Disco Ball-Smith, and our guest, Annalise Norman, who I love. (laughs) You guys get sick of hearing that. And today we're going to talk about um, getting your first dog. And often, um, here in the town I live in that happens. it's a college town. So often that's happening with college students, which Annalise still is. Um, and so I thought it would be, she did it really, really great. Like she did a really great job through the whole thing. So I wanted to invite her in to talk about like, Hey, you're thinking about getting your first dog and what she feels like she did really great and what maybe she'd change in the future. So as is our typical plan, the first question goes to Julie.
1: All right. Thank you. And Annalise, welcome to Your Family Dog. So glad you're here. Before we go any farther, I want everybody to know that Annalise makes the best snuffle balls and best snuffle mats in the country. And if you need one, we will give you a link to her Etsy store. And we will put a link to it on the website as well. So make sure if you need your snuffle balls, order them early for Christmas. Anyway, so Annalise, what made you decide that while you were busy in school and working part-time that, that you wanted to get a dog? What what what, what was behind the, the decision there?
2: Um, well, I had been wanting I'd always wanted a dog. Um, when I grew up, we had a cat, um, a family cat and my mom did everything for our family and I begged for a puppy when I was probably about 10 years old and she was like, I'm gonna be the one to take care of it she was absolutely right. We did not get the dog. And um, I, you know, years went by, obviously, I went to college. um, And then I was finally, I started grad school. And I was finally in a situation where I had moved to like a one person apartment that was pet friendly. um, And I didn't have a roommate. And I thought like, this is a perfect time. Um, I finally have you know time because my schedule with grad school classes had changed um, and I was a little bit more like financially able to take on this new adventure um, so that's when I fulfilled my like 12 years long dream
1: of owning a <laughs> Um So what made you decide on a corgi? How did you come to the decision to get a corgi which by the way I think are wonderful dogs so I think you made a great choice but how did you settle on a corgi? Um,
2: Thank you. They are indeed wonderful dogs. Uh, Actually, I was in the park with my mom when I was um, 12 years old. We were just, you know, on a casual stroll and I saw a man coming up um, at the top of the hill with these two very small um, potatoes, basically. And they were the happiest looking dogs I'd ever seen in my entire life. They just they just looked like they were having a ball. And they were so cute. And I'd never seen one before. And so we stopped and talked to him. I got to play with the dogs. He like told me they were corgis. Um, and then I spent the next 10 years googling corgi pictures. <laughs> and um, whenever I was sad about something, my boyfriend would be like, okay, well, let's look at the corgi Reddit. Uh, so uh, they would always cheer me up, even before I had one. Um, then, as you know, time went by and I started to realize like this dream could become a reality. Uh, I researched them, I researched their temperament, and actually, we have some family friends that have Cardigan Welsh Corgis. Um, and so, I met with them, played with them, um, and then I got in contact with some like Pembroke owners and um, just did as much research and like, interaction with the breed as I could um, before I
0: before I made the jump. <laughs> so what's one thing now that you've had Bean, um, and you've done a great job raising her up. Um, what's one thing that you, that none of that research prepared you for? Um, so there were, there
2: there are a lot of things, um, but maybe number one is like pet care and nutrition probably. So like, barking like the fact that she's a vocal breed and very energetic like I was prepared for I didn't necessarily know what that was gonna look like but um, you know i i did I did kind of know that that was something I could expect uh, but something I didn't expect was like the the stress that I was gonna feel trying to make sure that I was doing the best job I could for her um but with things that were out of my control so like I didn't understand how to, you know, how to pick a good dog food, I didn't really know the best way to go about um, choosing a vet, um, which I can talk about more later on, Um, but really just, like, getting the, setting up her, like, healthcare apparatus (laughs) was something I had not, I knew she was going to need a vet, but I just didn't know how much really needed to go into, like, choosing the right dog food, um, taking care of, you know, any sort of like anticipating, you know, medical emergencies and stuff like that. Um, so, and I think that can apply to anybody, not just a corgi owner.
0: <laughs> right. I think, um, I think it's, we all are, especially your generation, which is lovely. Like you guys are big, like independent, I'm going to research and I'm going to know all the things and I'm old enough to do have experience that you can do all the research in the world. You're just not going to know it all. Like you're not, something's going to blindside you. You're just ideally being blindsided by, um, I don't know by mostly benign, inconvenient stuff, not big,
1: nasty stuff.
0: Julie, do you have a question?
1: Well, one of the things I was going to say is, um, I, it, When you are looking for a dog, like with somebody your age, um, I found it interesting that you decided to go for a purebred. It seems to me there's an awful lot of people wanting to do rescue. Is there a reason why you decided to go with a purebred over a rescue? Did you feel as though you were going to perhaps maybe get a more predictable dog? Or what was your thought process there? Um, In talking to... Uh,
2: in talking to like the fi- the family friends that we have that raise the cardigans, um, I had actually kind of discussed like, you know, purebred versus like rescue, um, or mixed breeds, and a lot of it did have to do with like predictability of temperament and also kind of knowing what sort of like g- like genetic complications or anything like that could happen. Um, so we, you know, it could be a little bit easier to diagnose problems, but honestly. Um, at this point, knowing what I know about dogs and having gotten to work with a lot of different dogs, um, I'd feel more comfortable in like making a decision about, um, like rescuing, but I was a first time dog owner. I'd only ever like been around friends' dogs and like I had pets at before, but you know, I just, I just didn't know enough but I felt like I could research enough and like there was like science or something that would make me feel better about the purebred but also a lot of it had to do with like just needing a corgi (laughs) and I don't I would not (laughs) like that was a hole in my heart (laughs) since I met that man oh sure I get that
1: I get that I I get flatbed flat (laughs) flat coated retriever holes Um, um, And there's a whining clumber hole in my heart right now. Yes, (laughs) Clemmie. Do you guys hear her? (laughs) It's kind of like having a water buffalo in my house. Um, So, um, Yeah, I I understand the the idea of of there's a particular dog I really want to try. I think that this is the right dog for me. And so the idea of getting that particular dog, I think, makes a whole lot of sense. So when you were... um, when you were researching, was there anything you found surprising in your research that you didn't expect to find and made you sort of think harder again about getting a dog? Um,
2: it was definitely like, I looked at a lot of so a lot of how I like try to exert control over my life um, is through, you know, crazy organization, planning, finances and stuff. Um, so a lot of my research had to do also with just like cost estimations. Um, and so actually I, I didn't get me until my second year of grad school. Um, and that's because like I wanted to have a big enough fund that I could pull from like um, not just, you know, the exchange like with the breeder, but you know vet bills and like kind of startup vet bills with all the like vaccinations and also supplies and things so definitely understanding that I needed to be prepared for you know it's more than just having a collar and a leash um so making sure that I would have a budget that you know I could do food <laughs> and you know the crate and also dog training and stuff like that too um definitely is, not i wouldn't have i wouldn't call it a hindrance but there there's a reason why like i waited a whole year after kind of being in that position where i could have a dog just to make sure that it was going to be feasible so the cost of things were very surprising to me as a first year you know as a first generation dog owner and um also just as like a college college age student that's trying to you know kind of independent for the first time and trying to make sense of everything and all the dollars.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I think that the, the, the cost of ownership of, of a dog is, is surprising. I, I remember when, um, when people will say to me, well, I'm thinking about getting a horse for my daughter or whatever. And I'm like, you do understand that the cost of the horse is about the less, that that's the least amount of money that you're going to spend. So, but it's the same kind of thing is that you need to understand is that the cost of the dog And the leash and the collar, that's just the beginning, folks, that you need to understand what your monthly budget is going to look like and that you also have to make sure that you have budgeted in and saved for emergencies because it could be that, you know, out of the blue, somebody's going to puncture a paw pad and, you know, need emergency care or swallow something stupid as a puppy because, like, none of my dogs would, like, eat boxes of raisins or anything. No! (laughs) So, Annalise, um... Did you,
0: did you at any point think about like, okay, as a first time dog owner, like, should I maybe foster to see like, I don't know, kind of like a test fit, knowing full well, having the relief that, you know, that an agency is working to find a home for that dog. Um, so if it's not a great fit, it's okay, but you could learn, you know, through, Kind of benefiting other dogs was that something that you considered at any time or no? So knowing, understanding dogs better as I do now,
2: I think that is a fantastic idea. Um, at the time, I never considered it because I, you know, fear of the unknown and not not knowing, you know, what the what the dog's background was gonna be, um, and me not being equipped with any training knowledge. I read three training books and I watched a ton of videos before I got Bean, Um, but I still didn't feel, like they're books, you know? It's not the actual, it's not actual interaction with them. So I had never had any experience actually training a dog um, and managing a dog. So my my thinking, (laughs) was, um, you know, deciding to get a dog from puppy age was that, you know, I would be raising it and I would kind of know it better. Like we would kind of have like, almost like that lifelong connection. Um, And I just, you know, my thinking was, Like it's a puppy we can learn together, but if it was already, you know, a dog with like established habits or whatever, again, I knew nothing about training Um, that idea. Like I just didn't, I felt it's almost like they, I felt like they were going to know, like a grown dog was going to know how ill-equipped I was. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, this is great. Neither of us knows what's going on. It's awesome. Just as long as I feed her.
0: (laughs) So, um what thing if there was one thing that you could tell someone who's thinking about getting a puppy or a dog right um if there was one only one thing that you could get them to take away what do you think it would be sleep 100% sleep
2: like i have other things that i wish i i have like things that i wish i would i got a puppy but sleep was the transformative one. And I saw it immediately with Bean. And the more classes I got to observe um, as an apprentice and help with, like watching those dogs come in the next week, you know, like looking and acting like completely different dogs and the parents looking like they'd gotten some sleep. Like that was, that's like the very first thing that when any of my friends like have puppies or anything and they're like, oh, this is crazy. Um, I can't do this. I'm just like,
0: so how much is your pupper sleeping? It's amazing to me that even amongst dog trainers, right? I'm on a bunch of dog training forums. Everyone is always about more exercise, more enrichment, more exercise, more enrichment. And I see all the time that this is just incredibly exhausted dogs manifested in the world. And we're just trying to entertain them and exercise them into not being exhausted. I don't like, none of us would watch an insane toddler and be like, you know what he needs, he needs to become a marathon runner and we need to give him more puzzles. We would put his butt down for a nap, right? Like we just, we know that. And yet for some reason, people have no clue how much sleep dogs need. So for all of you who Who are out there going, okay, well, how much sleep do dogs need? Adult dogs, three years and older, need 17 to 18 hours of sleep a day. And puppies need more. And they don't self-regulate. They self-regulate when they're really young. But once they hit about 13 or 14 weeks, they kind of are moving into teenager land where they think they'll sleep when they're old. And they don't want to miss anything. They're more aware of their world. And so it's very, very easy for them to get crazy overtired. And then they get bitey and jumpy and mischievous and they don't listen to you. And then you put money in a dog trainer's pocket.
1: So So um, Tina. Tina. So then yeah. so how much so if adult dogs need 17 to 18 hours of sleep and puppies need more, what are we talking about? Twenty hours of sleep a day? Generally more than that. So So in a 24 hour period, your dog should be up for about two hours total.
0: That's what you're saying. Young adolescent puppies. Yeah. Right. And what I would say, and I, and I get that that sounds insane. So stick with me. So the average dog during non COVID, right. Sleeps eight hours at night. Right. And they sleep eight or nine hours while the family's gone during the day. So now we're at 16 or 17, right. So think about your life with dogs. So you're you, when you worked a normal job, you came home, you made dinner, you fed the dog, the dog went outside. And then when everyone sat down in the evening, the dog took a nap. You like went for a walk and then the dog slept for two hours. So all of a sudden, like, wow, we're banging on 19 hours of sleep. Like that's where we are. So I, I tell people a good place to start and not all puppies read the manual, but a good place to start is if you're referring to your puppy is how many weeks old he or she is, take the age in weeks and subtract two. And that's how many minutes they're up at a time. I would say that that holds true until puppies, you start referring to them as how many months old they are. And then I'm going to tell you, it's going to be like 15, 20 minutes until they're probably a year, maybe 10 months. And then I start going, okay, now it's going to be like half an hour at a time. But I always let the dog's behavior be like, I let the dog inform that decision for me, right? If the dog is happy and, and behaving well rested, like is a good citizen, then you're, we're doing a good job. And if the dog is overwrought and angry and frustrated and fearful and all that stuff, a bunch of that can just be manifest from not getting enough sleep, and then of course nutrition, which we talk about a lot.
1: Right. My, I guess my other question, and and, and thank you, Dina. Dina, who the heck is Dina? Um, Dina. Tina. How about Tina? Well, thank Tina for um, that explanation. I think that was nice and clear. And um, I would say that you had helped me with several of my clients to really get things changed around for them as we work more on getting more naps in for their dogs. So thank you for being such an advocate for sleep. You really have made me an advocate for sleep. And I think that's really helped a lot of the central Ohio dogs. So, well, and if you don't me, like go, go watch some Ted talks on sleep, right? A right. bunch of
0: that same stuff that applies to dogs applies to us. So the two big things that I hit on with families, cause I don't get into all of it with them. Like it's too much is serotonin is produced during deep sleep. So, especially because so much of my practice is fearful dogs, lots of times fearful dogs are kind of hyper aware. And so they don't deeply sleep and they will limit how much their serotonin production is. And then the other piece is there's not lymph nodes in the head. And so the way brain tissue gets cleaned of debris is during that deep sleep where the amount of blood required by the brain is reduced. And then the tissue gets cleaned by spinal fluid. So, um, if we don't have puppies or dogs that are deeply sleeping, it's a little bit like scraping off your plates and putting them back in the cupboard and then eating them off of them the next meal. So it makes learning more difficult and it definitely degrades behavior. Um, Any of us, actually, I mean, like, this is the Family Dog podcast, right? Like, every single mama or dad on listening to this, or grandma, or grandpa listening to this podcast has at some point been so tired that it changed who we are. Maybe we're not as kind to the world or as grace-filled as we would normally like to be. Like, I don't know about you, my best parenting moments did not come when I was exhausted. Um, and so what I would say is if you've tried, if you're having problems with a dog and you've tried exercise and you've tried enrichment and it's just either staying the same or getting worse, you might want to talk to somebody about how much sleep your dog's getting.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what? You could ask, my daughter's here at the moment. So you could ask her what my better parenting moments were if I was exhausted or when it was well if I'd had a because there would be an objective opinion there. Um... One of the things that I did want to ask Annalise was having done puppyhood while being a full-time student. Puppyhood is hard, right? It's hard because you have to think about house training and you have to think about socialization and you have to think about how do I manage nipping and how do I manage all these other things. So would you say that in general for students would it make a little bit more sense for them perhaps if they don't have a huge amount of time to maybe get an older dog that doesn't need house training? What would you, th- what would you say to that?
2: Absolutely. So another piece of why, you know, things turned out so well for me and being was that I got her during the summer and I had a summer job that, I was really flexible. They let me actually took like a week off just for like, you know, getting settled. Um and then when I went back, like I took a maternity leave basically. Um but then I went back um half days. So I would work for like three hours and then I would come home. Um and you know I had the puppy pads and beans crate and stuff. But definitely like if if it had been if it had happened during the semester and while I was taking 12 or 15 hours like definitely would have had to be an adult dog situation just because like you know puppy pads are great but you don't want them staying in their mess they don't like that and you know at that time I didn't know about a drop-through crate so while there are tools to kind of mitigate those uh, you know the potty training situation um for me, I would just, like, I just felt better being able to be there often. Um, And also, I have kind of a weird (laughs) situation with potty training. Um, So potty training was super easy for us. um, Because Bean actually came, like, litter trained. And my aunt had this large cat (laughs) That actually needed a dog litter box if there is
1: such a thing um yes there is such the a thing Is a dog litter box
2: well apparently because I owned one <laughs> my aunt gave me her, her her dog litter box um and that's what that's what I I kept it by the door on the tile um and I had actually set up an x-pin there so like you know, if Bean wasn't going to be in her crate or if I was out in the living room, that's kind of what her zone was going to be. Um, And that's where the litter box was. So while I got to kind of choose when we were going to work on potty training outside in the grass, but at midnight, (laughs) I could, or at three in the morning, I could, and she, you know, let out her little poop cry. I could pick her up and we would just go to the litter box and she would, she would do that. Uh, And it was kind of amazing that I didn't have to put on shoes in the middle of the
0: night. So this puppy litter training is like a big thing that I'm hearing more and more about. Um, And it doesn't seem to have the same fallout that pee pads do where the dog, right? So dogs attach where to eliminate on the strata they're on. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't use pee pads because I don't want dogs urinating or defecating on fabric right? Um, but this litter, the, this doggy litter works great. Like I know a bunch of breeders that they litter train the puppies. They send litter home with owners and as the puppies are able to hold it for longer and longer periods of time, they move the litter outside and the puppies transition to grass beautifully. I don't think I knew you were doing that. You're so smart. I'm not smart though. I was ashamed because like I had this one
2: friend who um, she was a dog owner and she had her own ideas about
0: how to, she hadn't raised a puppy before, but she had yeah, a lot of opinions. people ever are opinionated or judgmental. There's no, that never happens.
2: No, I, I mean, you're right. Yeah. I was more full of,
0: of <laughs> Like everyone, like no one has a really strong opinion about any of this dog raising stuff.
1: No, they don't. And <laughs> the other thing they don't have is an uncle Joe who raised bloodhounds in the thirties, you know, and he knows what he's doing. It's like, well, then, you know, why right. your uncle Joe? Right. His
0: dog, his dogs learned to stay in the yard cause they got hit by cars and killed if they got it wrong right yeah so that really yeah, taught the rest of the litter
1: you know learn learned by example did you see what happened to Bafo? man he just got annihilated so like i'm staying in the yard dude like this happens okay yeah just nose in it right
2: mm-hmm. yeah so she she would come over and be like chick shamed you yeah, she's like Bean's never gonna be normal if she uses a litter box, and I'm like, I don't plan on her using a litter box forever, but like it's kind of fantastic right now. Uh, so I-, I got a corgi. You didn't want normal, right? Exactly. And but I mean, also like it, it was, it was pretty awesome because like she was such a small dog, like, um, and whenever you know she would go, we would go visit my mom. I could just bring my mom, make her own, like, version of the litter box with, um, like, one of those 30 packs of Diet Coke, like, cardboard con- cardboard containers. She would line it, and then I would just put litter on there. And, like, Bean had that, you know, at home. So, um, I don't know where, where I was going with that. But, like, it was fantastic, but I just, I thought I was doing something wrong or something weird um, just because it wasn't normal. Well, you know what I but- liked
1: about that is the fact is is that while you that means that while your puppy is still in the house training phase right you can go visiting other people because you have a manageable solution that they're not going to you know take out your mom's carpeting and so that allows you to socialize your puppy in a variety of ways so it seems to me that the litter box training also facilitates early socialization which is
2: that's yeah and it actually is what helped me catch her first well her only uti Um, and that's, and I got her to the vet a lot sooner than I might have when, you know, I've also seen so many of Tina's clients that it, you know, they're like, my dog is a little Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like what's happened? I broke my dog. And it's like, hi, it has a UTI. It feels terrible. Well, before I even knew about all that, um, because of the litter box situation and I could tell she wasn't feeling good, like I could definitely... When she went potty, I could, like, smell that something had, you know, something was wrong. And we got to the vet, and sure enough, like, that was the problem. So, lots of lots of benefits. And I'm glad to hear that, like, lots of breeders and people are doing this with their puppies. Because, like,
0: you do it for cats. Right, we can And you're going to be cleaning up. And it's biodegradable, right? So, I actually think some of the magic of it is that we're not talking about cat kitty litter. That's not, that's not what it is. It's actually a, a recycled paper yes. litter. So it biodegrades in the grass, which allows a puppy to transfer the learning. So they're still, they're walking around on this like puppy litter that is slowly degrading over time into the grass and transitioning the puppy tactily as well as scent. So I just, I I think it's brilliant. Like, I think it's such a good idea. And I just love that the universe has come up with new plans. I love fresh patch too. So for the people who don't want to use litter, um, I do recommend for families that are house training a, a puppy that, you know, they someone's not there constantly to take the puppy out. Fresh patch is also a fantastic option. That's actual grass that you bring in the house. Um, although I will say that at about 13 weeks, puppies decide to become weed eaters and that's when, you know, they're ready to go outside because they've now slung sod from one end of your <laughs> kitchen to the other because it became great fun. Um, but yeah, like both of those things, it's amazing to me. It doesn't smell the dogs transition really well. It's lovely. So I know Annalise, cause you're like the queen of organized What else is on your list of things that you wanted to tell folks?
2: Um,
0: Well, identifying UTI, sleep,
2: um, enrichment, you know, is like one of my favorite things ever, but kind of something funny that I wish I had known or just like realized when I got a puppy. All of the research that I did, all the books that I read, all the blogs that I read, I must have missed this, but teething. That was a shock when we were playing tug-of-war and a tooth came out in the rope and I was like, what? What has happened? You have a hole in your mouth and there is a small tooth in my hand. Like, what is going on? Um, so Did you think you broke her? Oh, yeah. I was traumatized.
0: There was like a little bit of blood. She was fine. She was, everything's great. And I'm like, you, where'd your teeth go? i don't think Um, i don't think you texted me about it you must have researched that on your own no no like well i didn't well so
2: before this was like pre-dog owning research that i had done so this was the phase where i was like picking you and trying to understand dog food which is another thing um but like this like and there was like a two week period where I had her
0: and like, we hadn't started dog class yet because vaccines and well, that's when all the really bad stuff. That's a part of who Bean is like all the negative things happened in that two weeks.
2: Of course. That's, no, when, you, really did. that's when
0: you did that. We're just going to blame you for,
1: for any cold imperfections. It's all, <laughs> it's literally all my fault. So um, that's where- one thing I would say about teething though, is that for most people, they don't even see the teeth. I mean, like Clementine went through teething and I never saw any of her teeth. I think she just swallowed them all or spit them out in the yard or something. So, yeah. So I think it is unnerving when you do see it.
0: But yeah. Right. They see blood on a little bony or they see blood on a toy and they they panic a little bit.
1: But yeah. Most um, of the time you don't see the teeth. You
0: do sometimes find teeth. But lots of times people are like. Well, so it amazes me how many people are like, "Oh, my ten-week-old puppy is teething." I'm like, "No, like I love you. It's not like it won't be teething until it's sixteen weeks old. Like, no, it's not teething. It's biting because it's tired." So, um, so okay, Annalise, sorry we interrupted you. Oh no, I just that and that was that <laughs> was just one of those obvious yeah. things. So how did you pick a trainer?
2: Um, I. Well, I Googled, like, dog trading Athens, (laughs) Um, and you were one of the first that came up. Uh, I was looking at, you know, I was looking for, like, location and convenience that way, um, but also accessibility because, like, I was hoping I was going to find somebody that I could, like, establish a relationship with because I knew I was going to have a lot of questions and needs. Um, And it was between you and um, PetSmart because they had um dog training um but i chose you because i read reviews and your name was hilarious to me sit <laughs> happens like <laughs> lol um but the the reviews and stuff really did help me kind of make the choice that way but uh, it started with like convenience um and then narrowing down to like quality because again i didn't really I didn't know what I was looking for from talking to the other families and like family friend that um, raises the cardigans. They're really, really involved in the AKC and stuff. So I knew to look for like Star Puppy um, and all the AKC like training things. So I knew about Canine Good Citizen and all that fun stuff. And I saw those badges on your website. Um, so, and then I went to puppy class, met you and laughed very hard <laughs> and here we are. So one other thing that I would say to new um, puppy raisers or just new dog owners in general is, like, you can shop for, you know, vets and training and stuff as much as you want to ahead of time. Um, But I wish that I had... um, Just being, you know, my age, I guess. I wish I had been a little more assertive um, when I was meeting with the first vet that we were going to. Um, We were going to a vet school clinic, which was great. They made us feel very cared for. Um, But I, you know, I had read about different, you know, cycles for vaccines, and I particularly wanted to wait a year um, or after Bean's first heat to have her spayed, and that was something that I agreed to with the breeder as well Um, but this particular vet practice was like very adamant that i spay her starting at like four months and every time we'd go in for something you know, they would keep asking about it. And one time they actually drew blood without my permission. And then they asked me to sign the paper for them to like test the blood that they had already taken. And like, it was going to cost me another like $50. And I was like, I don't, she doesn't need her blood tested. We're not spaying right now. Um, And I asked about like spacing out her vaccines and they were like, you don't need to do that. She has to have these. And I'm like, not talking about vaccinating my dog. It's just like, is there, you know, is there a way that this could be made better for her? Um, and they just didn't, you know, they they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, like the the vet students were. They're they're doing their job, but I just needed something, you know, I I needed more, um, I needed to feel like I had more agency in that relationship with my vet. So I did, you know, I talked to um, Tina, our trainer, and she recommended a different vet practice. And that place has been wonderful. They listen to me, they explain. If it's not the vet herself, it's the vet tech that will explain everything from a ceresto collar to, you know, a procedure and how dental and stuff works. And being a first-time dog owner, I used to be kind of embarrassed at some of the stupid questions I felt like I was asking. But after the very first time I met with them when Bean had an issue. Like, I never felt ashamed. Like, I always felt comfortable. Um, And that's how I had wanted to feel from the very beginning. So, you know, we should be able to take ownership of our dog's health care and be able to kind of trust that we can, we have a working relationship with our vets. Um, So that was really important for me.
0: And I I think that you're not saying that, you know, the vet school practice is bad. It just wasn't a good fit for you. And and being had specialized care, like we were all super grateful that the university was here as a resource. Right. So yeah, uh, there's no beef with the vet school. I just think if
2: I had been a more experienced dog owner um, and been more confident and understood what I was asking for, I could have just said, no, I would like to do this and not felt like I was being pushed into things or not being heard. It's because, you know, I think I, you know, I was so just kind of clueless, and somebody needed to take charge. So it's definitely not any issue with them. Like, they were lovely. But I think, you know, this is a better fit. It was a better fit as a first time dog owner to, to be in a different kind of practice.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'll say like, again, I'm on forums all the time. There are as many different kinds of vets as there are different kinds of pediatricians or attorneys, right? Like, um, each practice is going to have its own flavor. Um, and, and I did recommend to you the vet that I thought would be the best fit for you. I might for a different customer recommend a completely different vet because somebody else might be a better fit for what that person's looking for. and and to be clear, my dogs have multiple vets, right? Like we have a primary practice we use and then we have specialty vets that we utilize for any of the assorted ways my dogs try to murder themselves. So um, I think it's important to feel like, so I always frame it as I want to partner in my dog's wellness first. So for me, I want a practice that's focusing on keeping dogs well not treating diseases that we come up with and then then managing healthcare beyond that so um, not all practices are that way lots of practices are are kind of like you know you you do these things in order and that's principally what we do and it's a, it it it's not as i guess curated is probably a, a good phrase well i want to i want to thank you for coming on. And I am going to, again, and I'm not saying this cause I love you. I'm saying this cause it's true. Um, I deal with a lot of college students who are getting new dogs and most of them do pretty well. Like they act, they've thought it through pretty well and they've done, you know, a good job, um, in all sorts of different ways, whether they got a puppy or they're fostering, or they got an adult dog. Um, I will, I also think that you should hear that you were easily in like the top 2% of being prepared, Um, which is why Julie and I wanted to invite you was because you went above and beyond. And if everyone would do it the way that you did it, dogs and families and owners would feel more successful because they would avoid suffering that can be avoided. And I think... Part of what makes you and being the magic that is you and being is that you did a really beautiful job investing and being patient and putting off wanting to impulsively get a dog this very instant to wait for the right dog and the right time.
1: And and I would agree. Um, From everything that he has told me and what you've said, um, I would hold you up as the standard by which I would have ask anybody to follow when getting a dog. So um, you did a great job. Bean looks like a great dog. I saw him trot in a couple of times. He's a really adorable little guy. And so congratulations on on doing it right. And it it makes it for a lifetime of learning and love with your dog. So thank you so much for joining us, Annalise. And uh, we'll see you next time on Your Family Dog.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share
1: your thoughts.